You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Warney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we're about two weeks into Ecoria here. What's going on in your world? What are you winning with these days? What am I winning with? You know, unfortunately, I'm on a bit of a slump. I've been uh, two running and one twoing a, a fair bit. Um, but I, I will say that I am still enjoying Red Black Sacrifice, Black White Humans. Had a nuts Black White Humans deck the other day, the trophy. That was probably my my shining moment of the past few days. But you, on the other hand, are just continuing to crush your opponents. I can't lose in this format. I'm trophying almost 50% of my drafts right now. It's I'm loving it. That's awesome. I'm on the hashtag not green plan as far as drafting, although I am currently playing a green deck, Vivian Open. Suckered wow. me into drafting green. Nice. Yeah, I'm not on the hating green train, but perhaps that's why I'm not winning as much as you. Yeah, I've been loving any version of Mardu, cycling or not. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you and I are <laughs> Whisper Squad is the real truth here, Ben. I agree. I think the most the best deck that's the most underdrafted right now is any version of Red Black. Yeah, I agree. There's just so many different versions of it and all the cards sort of have overlap. And so you just have to find your way into like what the best one is, whether it's a sacrifice based, whether it's cycling based, etc. And it helps that the world is still too low on Bastion and Weaponize, I think. Oh, yeah, way too low on Weaponize. I think they're coming around to Bastion, but it feels like people are like, oh, you have to build around Weaponize the monsters. I'm like, yeah, you have to have creatures in your limited deck. That's not, <laughs> that's not that much of an ask. Right. All right. So today we are going to talk about the big bad menace of Akoria Limited the red-white cycling deck. So cycling in general, but specifically the red-white deck, we're going to talk about all the ins and outs of this deck. We're going to talk about how to combat it, how to play it, how to build it, how to know when to draft it, know when it's open, know when it's not open, all of that good stuff that I think you need because I think you and I, Ben, have experienced a lot of folks either via Twitter or Discord or on our Twitch streams with our deck redemptions from our channel points. A lot of people are still unclear about how to optimally draft and build this deck. It's tough. The deck is very difficult to handle, and it's hard to pilot once you get into it in the draft. Yeah, I don't think we've seen a limited deck like this in our content creation lifetime, or perhaps in the lifetime of limited period. And I think the fact that it is so powerful and so difficult to build and so unique all leads to people not doing it optimally. So hopefully we can clear all of that up for you in the next 
55 minutes. But before we get into that, we got to do a little bit of housekeeping. First things first, talk about that Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where you can give back to the show if you so choose. There are some different tiers of rewards of what you get for the amount that you give back to the show. Everybody gets access to the Lords of Limited Discord, which is the place to be for all things 24-7 limited tech support. Uh, like we said last week, we sort of retooled everything, reorganized a bunch of the channels to make it a bit more easy to navigate. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback there. We're still doing our on-demand pod drafts. We're still doing our Lords of Limited Friday Night Magic. You can still get all your help with your what's the play, what's the build, what's the pick. All that stuff is still available for you in the Discord and a lot of other goodies for you as you go up the donation rankings. And each and every week, we want to welcome our new patrons to the fold. This week, we're going to be welcoming Emerson, Michael, Kevin, Stephen, Matt J, Nahili, Colin, Matt B, Carlos, Fernando, Todd, Jarrett, Kuiper, Lionel, Mitchell, Masaki, Pedro, Robert, Billy, Gui, Lucas, Mark, and Gavin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Cannot say thank you enough. And I just want to echo what Ethan said, that the Discord is an absolutely fantastic place. And the bigger it gets, the more proud I am that it's just staying a good, positive community where people want to help each other. And just... As always, I mean, I think you and I are thinking this all the time, but huge, huge shout out and thank you to all of our mods in the Discord who keep it running. Without you, the Discord would be not functional, I think. And so we really, really appreciate the folks who have stepped up to the plate to be really active moderators of the Discord. Absolutely. 100%. All right. Let's dive in to the menace, Ben. Do you, do you like my title for this episode, by the way? Your title game is on point. We, we unleashed a monster. So about, you know, like, I don't know, three or four months ago, Game Nights came out with a content creators episode, like a what to do. And one of their pieces of advice in there was you need to up your title game. And Ethan just took it and ran. You're unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. For someone who hates puns, I seem to not hate them when it comes to titling our episodes. <laughs> OK, so we, we want to talk about why this deck is the most powerful deck in the format. And it's for, for a number of reasons, right? Because of the inherent nature of what cycling does, it allows you to churn through your library. So it's absurdly consistent to a point that we've not really seen in Limited before. You know, I think that's sort of the issue of cycling and companions make your deck so consistent. You build around a card like Zenith Flare in any other deck. You build around a companion in any other deck. And you might not see that card in all of your three matches, in all of your six to nine games. You may not see that card. Companions and cycling really change that equation in a large way i agree 100 percent. did you realize the cycling decks were going to look like this from the spoilers oh no not at all i gave zenith flare a c plus in the set review i did with alex I, I i thought it was fine not a pull you know you're probably maybe in the mid game gonna cast it for like four or five i I, th I thought one colorless cycling was really strong it seemed pushed to me i had no idea what was in store for us yeah I, I didn't either i was similarly low on zenith flare i think i adjusted quickly after like about day two of the format and i think you know ran from there and understood how to build the decks pretty quickly but it was not evident to me going in i, I thought there was going to be the problem of a lot of air i didn't understand that it was going to be like 12 13 14 lands that sort of thing it's so funny one so the first deck that i drafted on magic online after doing whatever four or five on arena was red white cycling and i o2'd with the deck i had some bad matchups um i like played against extinction event that got me pretty good and etc but the 
the thing I did about a week or so after was go back and look at that draft log, and my pick orders are atrocious. Like <laughs> taking pacifism and just like random red creatures over memory leak and other one mana cyclers. Like just the things that I learned once I actually got my hands on a good version of the deck and finally listening to people. I was a pretty I was pretty late to the game, I'd say. I think it was basically about a week into the format before I got my hands on a good version of this deck and I understood why everyone was freaking out about Xenon flare pick three pick four um but so it, it took me a little bit of time but i finally recognized how absurdly powerful this deck is so speaking of pick orders we've got our official lords of limited cycling power rankings kick it off with number 10 ethan okay number 10 we've got uh, top of the keep here is Dranith healer because sometimes you do actually cast this um this can mitigate if you're racing against an opponent this this can on turn two help mitigate some life loss as you're digging for your zenith flares but generally you're hoping to cycle this i'd say like 80 90 percent of the time and so then on the same vein is like imposing vantasaur lava serpent go for blood i mean i guess the, the one cmc cyclers nick's lava serpent off of there but go for blood like the the cards that you know some percent of the time you may actually cast these but they're one cmc cyclers to boot you can keep Lava Serpent on there, baby. I'm I'm shooting hard for that to be my number one drafted common in the set. Really? Okay, I like that. All right, number nine, we've got Rooting Moloch. That's the four and a red, four, four with Cycling 2. And when it ETBs, you can exile a card with Cycling from your graveyard and recast that up until the end of your next turn. Number eight is Prickly Marmoset with an honorable mention to Spell Eater Wolverine doing a very good impression of Marmoset a lot of the time. At number seven, we've got Savai Thundermane. That's the red, white, gold card that lightning helixes things down yeah that card i think is still good and in general i'm thinking about the payoffs that are two cmc versus the payoffs that are three cmc and the two cmc ones being more important because ideally what you do in this deck i think a lot of the time and we'll talk about this when we get to play patterns is you go two drop three drop and then you're off to the cycling races and taking advantage of the effect you're getting from that that two drop and that three drop um so i think you want more twos than threes because you want to be able to do that curve more consistently but Savai Thunder Main is you know when it's good it's really good and then there are some matchups where it just does nothing where it's just a two mana three two have you ever faced down two Savai Thunder Mains I have it's the worst does not feel good but also isn't that the same as just having one Savai how is that different because then on five mana you can cycle and shoot down things with four toughness oh yeah yeah. I was thinking like well but then yeah you still need two one cmc cyclers and you need six mana for just one thunder main okay we got there we got there all right moving on to number six this is i think probably our most contentious take this is where we have snare tactician now this is the the white three mana two three that taps something when you cycle this is a very powerful card i think you and i just have it slightly lower than the rest of the world on considerations of it being three mana and it being common. And it's hard for me to imagine most of the other cards on, that are higher than this are uncommon. And I am taking, I think, those over the Tactician a lot of the time. Yeah, it's very close. Number five, barely edging out Tactician for me in pick orders is Drana Stinger, largely because I love red and I would much rather get in. I think it's easier to get out of the deck if it's not open, if you've got a lot of red cards. Yes. Their Tactician is only going to be nuts in red-white cycling. Drana Stinger is just a very good card in a lot of very different decks. You can have a white black version that has like a cycling sub theme and that's where Snare Tactician is good. It's just hard to get that deck a lot of the time, I think. I also want to point out that Drana Stinger is really high for both of us, I think, not only because it's a two drop, but because it's both a payoff and an enabler. Like two Drana Stingers can just go the distance in a, a number of matches. 
do you remember when we were ranking our top commons and I had Draenei Stinger number two? And I was like, can you picture having four of these on the battlefield? And you you poo-pooed me. Do you remember that? Ben, do you really want to do this? Do we want to talk about the cards <laughs> that you got wrong? Because we can do that. I can do that all day, baby. <laughs> number four, we've got Reptilian Reflection. This is the two and a red enchantment. This is basically, as you said, a four mana charging monster sword. And honestly, this on turn four with a one mana cycler in conjunction with it to give it haste and activate it. And you're attacking with a five, four trampler. It's really, really big game. Number three, the fox, the one mana one one that turns into Tarmogoyf pretty quickly if yeah. you cast it on turn one. Number two, we've got Valiant Rescuer. And number one, no surprise here, Zenith Flare. Boom, baby. That card is nuts. Okay, so what's the best way to sort of outline this deck or, or the way that we're thinking about this deck, Ben? Where do you want to start? Uh, start? Let's start by cards that you're going to take over one CMC cyclers that are not, you know, the top payoffs for the deck. Right. I could also see a point where you've got enough payoffs where you are taking one CMC cyclers over some of the cards we mentioned. I think probably not those those top tier ones like a flare or a rescuer, but also rescuer cycles itself, etc. Um but the, the, the list is pretty low. I think, you know, the things we talked about last week in terms of how synergistic your decks want to be and cycling being the emblematic version of those decks, that basically 95% plus of your deck, you want to be able to say, this card goes in column A or column B. This card is a payoff or this card is an enabler for what I'm trying to do. And outside of that, I basically want to see like a copy of Fire Prophecy. And that's about it. Like I, I put bombs on this list, but honestly... What what are these bombs that, that you want in this deck? Like I put Phoenix, Moth, and Snapdax, but those are all kind of awkward because most of the creatures in this deck that are sticking are humans. Like a fox you could mutate onto, you could mutate onto a prickly marmoset, but a lot of the times I just feel like you want your deck to be a lean, mean cycling machine. I agree. Snapdax not on the list for me. Phoenix and Moth I would run in my cycling decks, but if you have a really, really, really good cycling deck, you won't even really want Phoenix or Moth. Yeah. Exactly. And I put Flame Spill on here, and you said it's close for you, and I kind of agree. So the Flame Spill is the two in a red instant at Uncommon, deal four, and then excess damage that isn't dealt to the creature is dealt to the creature's controller. Yeah, I think that one's really close as far as, you know, whether you're taking one CMC Cycler or it. And I think it, it becomes clearer a lot later in the draft. Early on, that's how you end up with these cards in your deck, right? Like in pack three, when you're in cycling, no eyes for Flame Spill, really? Yeah. If you're if you're in a very good version of the deck, but early on in pack one, you know, you're going to take your fire prophecies, your flame spills, and then you're going to get the Zenith flare and then you're going to go hard on the one CMC cyclers. Yes, exactly. That's a really good point that like any pick order, the value of these cards shifts wildly in some cases as you really know what your deck is trying to do. So and then if we're talking about removal, you know, generally the cycling deck hopes to not play much removal i think snare tactician be, is removal snare tactician is removal baby yeah so you can play pacifism you know we've gotten a lot of pushback on our hate for pacifism i cast some pacifisms last night it's a fine card it's really not tier one removal in the set i don't think no it's it's, it's tier two divine arrow is fine but generally you're hoping you know your opponent's not going to be attacking or blocking anyway because of snare tactician but it does line up well against the format and if you don't have any ways to interact you could think about that Blade Banish, I think, is pretty premium if you're going to run a one of removal spell and cycling, because a lot of the things you lose to are like greater sandworms or honey mammoths, just large green monsters if you don't quite close the game out quick enough. So generally, you know, if there's no target for Blade Banish, you're probably winning the game anyway. And Rumbling Rock Slide, again, okay, fine, but you would rather have Fire Prophecies, Flame Spills, etc. And then Swallow Hole, which is the single white exile target tapped creature 
as part of an additional cost to cast it, you have to tap a creature you control, and then you put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature. This works really well in the heavy snare tactician version of the deck, because you can cycle, tap something down, and then you have essentially build your own source of plowshares. Yeah, I mean, I think the cheaper ones here get a nod for me and swallow hole and pacifism specifically, just because you can double spell or like not double spell, but cast that spell and then also have mana available to cycle once or twice in a turn, which I think is important. But yeah, all of these are like cards you can play, but you shouldn't be looking to play them and the best versions of the this deck won't have them and again as people figure out this deck it's one of the really interesting things about this format is i could see the the best versions of the deck that we saw in week one or two i could see in theory by week four never getting that version again if everyone gets on the same page about how powerful this deck is agree 100 percent. i think some other important slash interesting possible puzzle pieces for the deck i just have two on here one is really really important and that is cathartic reunion um you will flood even with 12 or 13 lands in this deck and and that is like really the sweet spot like 12 to 14 lands i'd say um one to two of these are great in the deck. You are, you're going to flood so you can pitch excess lands. And then also don't be afraid to, in a land light hand, pitch some cyclers with this. Like this is just going to be a very good card for you. Right. I've liked one more than I've liked two generally, but I have run two a couple times. I run two when I'm like, when I feel like I'm short. So sometimes I'll go like, okay, I have to run 14 lands because I didn't quite get there on cyclers. So I'm going to run the two cathartic reunions to help me mitigate that flood even more. And the fight as one can also do some work. You know, if you have, you know, you didn't quite get there on cards, it can protect, you know, a Drana Stinger, a Tactician, one of your key payoffs that's on the board can be really strong for a single mana. Yeah, especially if you've got Flourishing Fox. If you're going all in on Fox on turn one, fight as one is a really nice, cheap way to protect that game plan. And then looking at cyclers in the deck that you might want to cast, you know, I've been starting to think about not only cyclers that I want to cycle more often in the deck or may want to hold on to longer because they have applications, but then also thinking about when you're faced with the choice between multiple one CMC cyclers in draft, like thinking about which ones are more likely to wheel. This is sort of the nitty gritty stuff and it's like very like maybe fractions of a percentage point, but I think is interesting things to think about with this deck, but cyclers you might want to cast. So thinking about, I think top of the heap here, uh, Lava Serpent, if you get to six, again, you might think, well, how are you ever getting to six mana when you're running 12 or 13 lands? Oh, you get there and you can get there on time you can never miss a beat with this deck for sure and dropping a six mana five five haster is is really nice in this deck we got go for blood as situational removal you can use raking claws if you're going all in on a marmoset you know with cycling you can cycle 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 and then give a marmoset double strike to dome your opponent from nowhere shredded sails taking out flyers is big game shredded sails lining up with dreamtail heron is just unfair yeah that's really really good and last on this list we've got coordinated charge i think this is another card that like if you've got a valiant rescuer you really want to hope you get a copy of charge in your deck just for the you know some scenarios where you happen to go wide enough and then you're like oh i'm on five mana and what are you at oh now you're dead yeah coordinated charges absurd with valiant rescuer so there's a couple rares that look like they would pull you into cycling but really are just worse than one cmc cyclers or most of the cycling payoffs so there's yadaro wandering monster that's the five red red eight eight trample haste turtle that cycles for one in a red and when you cycle it it goes back into your deck and then if you've ever drawn and cycled it four times you just get to put it onto the battlefield that one is fine i mean you're going to run it it does a reasonable lava serpent impression and then there's unpredictable cyclone which you basically only ever want to cycle for two cmc in an actual cycling deck yeah i'm still trying to figure out what the version of this deck is that exists where like i don't know you're cycling you have few creatures and you're cycling a creature to hit like titanoth rex or you're cycling a spell to hit an ultimatum but it's it's really hard to imagine a, a deck 
that comes together in limited with this a lot of the time. I had a pretty jank deck and I was close to running it, but then I it still didn't even make the cut there. <laughs> so if we're talking about a, a very streamlined version of this deck, which as I said, I think maybe as time progresses, we may not get that. Cards that are red-white but don't belong in the deck or the best versions of this deck. Regal Leosaur, that's the red-white 2-2 mutate creature that when it mutates other creatures you control get plus two plus one until end of turn. Winota, Joiner of Forces, that's the two red-white 4-4 legendary. Mythic Rare, I think mutate creatures in general kind of have tension here just because you often don't have a lot of creatures hitting the battlefield, and the ones you do are mostly humans, like you think about Rescuer or Draneth Stinger. Um, Forbidden Friendship as well feels like it's part of this, like, I'm moving into a spells version of this deck, or I'm trying to enable my mutate stuff version of this deck. And as you are going down that road, just recognize, well, now that now cycling is not my A1 game plan, and that's fine. You just have to recognize that and build your deck accordingly. Right, absolutely. And there's some cards, you know, a lot of times that you're going to want to splash, or you're going to want to, you know, mize a tap land forward and maybe have the option to cast. So Amina Seize is the first one of those that leaps out. You know, if you can pick up some blue dual tap lands, you're probably going to do that. And maybe you get your Amina Seize on turn two and you run it out. But most of the time, you'll just cycle your Amina Seize as a two CMC cycler. Mm -hmm. And then Riel is another one that's just absurd, either in a red-white cycling as a splash or blue-red cycling. So Riel is one blue-red for the 03 Legendary Mythic and gets plus one plus oh for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. And whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. Yeah, I think both of those, you know, I've had experience of playing like a Jeskai Triome and a blue-white tap land in my red-white cycling deck and just throwing Ominous Season there and saying, hey, if I have Tranquil Cove in my opener, I get to play Ominous Season too. And otherwise, I'm always cycling Ominous Season. And that feels like a pretty low cost. Right. I think in general in the format, though, and in the cycling deck, tap lands have been a fair cost. I mean, you're running tap lands for cards like that, for sure. Mm -hmm. But the format's so powerful, similarly to cube, tap lands and cube, the format's so powerful that missing a land drop the turn you play a tap land, you know, when you draw it off the top of your library and we're hoping to hit a land drop has been really punishing so far for me. Yeah. And I think usually the thought of like, well, you have it in your opener and you, what were you doing on turn one? Well, there are actually... I mean, you think about there's Flourishing Fox, there's Whisper Squad, there's, you know, you can even drop a Brushwag or something to enable a turn two Parcel Beast. There are things you're happy to do on turn one that you maybe don't want to have tap land on turn one as your play. People play Forests on turn one in this format? Yes, Ben, they do. (laughs) Those of us who don't trophy every other draft that we do, some of us have to play Forests. So looking ahead, we're going to do a a full deep dive next week on companions, which I'm so excited about. These cards are, I mean, they're miserable to play against, but so fun to play with. So what are some of the best companions for cycling or companions that might lead you towards a cycling deck? So I think tier one is Zerda and Luris. I've done Luris companion cycling twice, although I think I just got absurdly lucky both of those drafts too. I started off with pack one, pick one Luris and immediately got a Valiant Rescuer too in my most recent Luris deck, I had three Valiant Rescuers, which is not something Jeez. that just happens yeah. normally at all. So I think those were both just redonkulous drafts um, and just got pretty lucky. But you can certainly companion Luris. So you're giving up, you know, the three CMC payoffs. But I, I think if you get the premium ones like Fox and Rescuer, that you can certainly do it. And Zerta, essentially every card that has cycling can go in your deck. So you're giving up three payoffs primarily when you companion Zerta, which is Tactician Marmoset and Reptilian Reflection. But all of the others, and even the best ones, you know, like Zenith Flare, Fox, Rescuer, all have cycling. So again, if you're getting the premium cards for the deck, pretty easy, not easy, but doable to get there on Zerta cycling and worth 
going for, I think. So I would, just as a piece of advice, if you're trying to do Zerta cycling, I would still take the Marmosets, the Tacticians, and the Reflection, and then make a judgment call at the end of the draft for whether or not you think it's worth it to Companion Zerta. Yeah, and then tier two here, just below these, I think Gigantha is pretty great. Uh, You're not giving up a lot in terms of, you know, all the premium cards we've talked about so far. You know, you don't get to put Frostvale Ambush in your deck as a one CMC cycler. You lose out on that. But most of the things you'd be playing anyway, just slot right in here. Um, And it then gives you access. I played against a cycling deck that had Gigantha as the companion. It gives you access to be able to cast situational cards. So, you know, the two and a black thing that gives all your opponent's creatures minus one, minus one. Suddenly you can now cast that while you were just cycling it. Suddenly now you could cast your startling development that you were only planning to cycle. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I've gotten got by Gigantha's casting of things a lot. <laughs> and then the last one here is Lutri. Now, if you ever had two Zenith flares, you would never companion Lutri. But I think beyond that, you want to weigh the you know, cost benefit of not being able to run multiple copies of a card versus companioning this. Um, but I do think being able to have Lutri in your hand so that you can always on seven mana copy that one Zenith layer you have, that's huge. It's really tricky, right? Because you have to get essentially one of all the one CMC cyclers. Yeah. Which is difficult to do. That's the thing is it feels like the deck is so redundant. Like you want double Draineth Stinger. You want Tacticians and multiples. I agree. Yeah. Lutri is more like a cycling package but i I have companion lutri twice in decks that cared about cycling i think so if we're talking about composition of the deck just in general what's a skeleton of the deck look like you know i think anywhere you know seven payoffs ish uh this has been your experience i've had a little more than that if we're talking about cards like drana stinger as a payoff so we were talking about the show notes and in my mind you know i would i would hope to have like five to seven of the premium payoffs you know like stuff like zenith flare rescuer fox reflection those those type of cards Mm -hmm. um and then you know hopefully oodles of drana stingers and healers along with that but i think you've had experience you know 3-0ing with pretty light payoffs yeah i mean i'm I'm counting i think probably like five and above on that list but i also i know i'd count thundermane too but yeah something like five creatures that i really care about cycling that i'm never cycling like rescuer fox and then a reflection and a zenith flare and then the rest of the deck is basically just cycling cards and i've yeah i've had really strong success with that i think somewhere in the like seven to nine payoff range but you've had experience i think with something that's going to be a lot more helpful for folks moving forward from this episode which is not getting the nuts version of this deck because i think that's going to happen less and less but having a cycling package in a red white deck or a red black deck or a blue red deck that sort of thing yeah absolutely so as far as rules of thumb for building the deck you know as far as land counts and things like that that's a big question we get asked in discord or you know when we're streaming i think a rule of thumb is remove one land for every three one cmc cyclers you have and i would not count like Drana stingers or cards you plan to be casting in that so 12 to 13 lands i think maybe even 14 is really where you want to be i think it's really helpful when you build this deck to make basically six columns so you should have on your left your one cmc cyclers and that's the cards you plan to cycle so i would not put Draneth stinger in that pile but i would put Draneth healer in that pile for example and then your two cmc cyclers next to that and then if you have a fox then that's your one drop slot, then your twos, your threes, and your fours. Hopefully you've got a Zenith Flare in there. Um, and that'll help you to, to really have a sense of the composition of your deck. I'd put, you know, Cathartic Reunion and Fire Prophecy in that two drop slot. The cards you intend to cast, and then the cards you intend to cycle. I think 
as you draft the deck and then when you build it, when you're figuring out what your composition of the deck is going to be in terms of lands, that's a really helpful way to look at it. I agree 100%. Normally, I'm not as as fastidious as you about i'll take fastidious of... <laughs> i'll take <laughs> <What>? fastidious <laughs> <laughs> i was just trying to think of a pc word you i know? know i know i said i'm saying i accept your your choice of words i appreciate that <laughs> um about like where i lay things out i'm a little looser uh than you but i i can't sloppy. when i'm drafting cycling yeah sloppy sure sloppy. You could webster's say. <laughs> dictionary <laughs> defines loose a, l- sloppy. a little sloppier <laughs> But I, I, I have to lay my deck out the way you described. And it's really hard when people send me screenshots to parse yes. if it's not laid out that way. Yeah, it's it's nearly impossible because you have to do this extra work of going, OK, let me count all the one CMC cyclers and then all the twos. And I have to also make the decision of, oh, are you planning? Do you think you're planning to cycle this more often than you're planning to cast it, et cetera? Like, it's hard. Yeah. So I would I wouldn't strongly encourage people to start organizing that way. And that'll help you understand where you're at with drafting the deck as well. So let's, let's run down briefly some some play patterns like you know you're running a deck that's got like 12 to 14 lands i guess so what are the types of hands you're keeping how are you planning out your first few turns i think you're keeping any hand that's got a reasonable number of lands anywhere from one to four like you're thrilled with Mm -hmm. if you've got four lands in your hand there's only eight lands left in your deck so your draws are going to be fire if you have a land on if you're on a one lander, I think you really want to cycle on turn one. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of cycling aggressively to hit your land drops. If you have land drops in hand with a payoff, you know, you've got a Valiant Rescuer or you've got a Prickly Marmoset, you don't need to cycle on those early turns. Just wait until you've got the payoff in play to start cycling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just going to be dictated by the hand. If you've got a hand that's like three lands and just four cards you are cycling, then you start aggressively cycling to find your payoffs. I remember the first time I played the deck was on stream. I drafted it and Twitch chat was there and I, I didn't know. Like I was like, so what am I supposed to do here? Am I supposed to cycle on one? Like what what is mm-hmm. do I need to hold these cyclers? Are they precious? It was it was daunting. The first time I played the deck or maybe even the first couple times, it felt like storm decks in cube to me. It felt really stressful. It felt like all, there were all these micro decisions that I had to map out, like whether or not you want to cycle the two CMC cycler, or the one CMC cycler here, whether or not you're supposed to like give land dropped to make sure that you could cast your lava serpent if you draw it, or whether you're supposed to hold your lands if you've got cathartic reunion. There's a lot of those tiny decisions that make a huge difference. Right. And your win rate with the deck too, I think. They matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So thinking about things like that, like I think about Reptilian Reflection, as we talked about, often a best as a turn four play paired with a one CMC cycler. Um, Savai Thundermane is going to incentivize you to play out your lands. If you can get to six mana with one Thundermane so that two one CMC cyclers can take down an X3 or an X4, that's important. And then on the flip side, Cathartic Reunion is going to incentivize you to hold lands so that you can pitch two of them to that card in the mid to late game. I think, you know, just another thing, sequencing is going to be really important in the deck. So if you've got flair in the deck, you're happy to cycle. But if you don't have flair, you really need to conserve your cyclers and make sure that you're getting triggers or payoffs from those cycles. And you need to be thinking about multiple turns ahead with cards like Flourishing Fox or Dranith Stinger. If those are on turn one or turn two, respectively, I think it's pretty straightforward. But when you draw them and it's like turn four, turn five... Being able to say, okay, is it better for me to cycle this card right now to get 
X number of triggers or to dig towards some card? Or is it better for me to play this and I'm going to be able to get three points of damage or I'm going to be able to grow the fox to a 4-4 by the time I want to attack with it next turn? Those are the things you really need to be mapping out. Yeah, there's a lot of math and a lot of advanced planning, you know, a turn, two turns down the road. When we look at sideboard options for the deck, you know, I don't know what your experience has been. I have not found many sideboard slots. And because in the best versions of these decks, it is such a tight little lean mean cycling machine. There's not often swaps you want to make. Like you're never cutting a one CMC cycler. You're never cutting a payoff. So you have very few flex spots in the deck. The one card that has come to mind for me is Blazing Volley against opposing rescuers or whisper squads, because those are the cards that can sort of put a speed bump in your prickly marmoset and sort of thing. I think the the other thing I found is that Light of Hope's very good out of the sideboard against enchantments or against other cycling decks as sort of a mirror breaker. That's the single white instant that gives a creature plus one plus one. You gain four life or you destroy target enchantment. All of those effects are things you want, especially if your opponent's on, you know, a deck that relies on an enchantment. You know, they've got a bastion, they've got a weaponize or whatever that you want to pick off that's been pretty strong out of the board and then the other thing i found is that oftentimes you can customize your two cmc cyclers you know you've, you've got an overabundance of two cmc cyclers and you can choose to run you know more of the raking claws if you feel like yeah. you need to dome your opponent out or you feel like you need to mise the suffocating fumes you put a couple of those in in a swamp because you're playing against x1 so just customizing what is in your two cmc cycling slot that's a really really good idea yeah i like that so we've been talking about the the best versions of this deck like what's the ideal version or like when you're when you're drafting the nuts version and that's not going to happen all the time so not all cycling decks are created equal ben what does that mean yeah, I think there's there's different flavors of cycling out there and knowing which flavor you're playing against are is really important to your game plan against the deck. So I think the the first type is a Zenith Flare focused version with a lot of cyclers and not many of the other payoffs. And those typically also have a lot of Draenei Stingers, the ones that aren't trying to interact in combat quite so much. You know, they don't have the oppressive snare tactician prickly marmoset thing going for them, but maybe they've got two, three copies of Zenith Flare and, you know, three or four Drana Stingers, and they're really literally just trying to storm cycle to dome you out. Mm -hmm. There is an aggro creature-based version as well that's backed up by Snare Tacticians. That's where the card is at its most powerful. So you look at having cards like Fox, Rescuer, Thundermane, Marmoset, Wolverine, Reflection, have those in multiples backed up by Snare Tacticians to clear the way for those big attacks. I think there's also a balanced cycling deck that has a little bit of everything. And these have been the scariest ones for me to play against. You know, usually there's a rooting Moloch to really let them compete into the late game, one Zenith Flare, but they've got also the curve out draws. So the, the decks that can have the curve out draws and then just, you know, also wait until the late game, rooting Moloch back a Lava Serpent and just play a control role as well is really tough to beat yeah and then you've got some sort of hybrid cycling decks these are typically red black or blue red and those have the red payoff so you get to take advantage of the drainet singers the marmosets the reflections and so recognize that that's not game plan a for the deck but it's part of what the deck has to offer it's all working towards a goal but you can put that cycling package in a red black sacrifice deck that's got weaponize the monsters or you can put that in a blue red deck that's got an ominous seize that cares about drawing and getting through your deck or a sprite dragon that wants to go tall that sort of thing. So we've also had the opportunity via Discord and doing deck techs on stream to see a lot of cycling decks and some common building mistakes keep coming up uh, throughout the various screenshots or deck picks in the Discord. I think the first is not enough quality payoffs. You know, if you don't have a Zenith Flare and you've only got, you know, three, four or five payoffs, you've got a Valiant Rescuer, maybe you've got Ominous Seas and you don't have a lot of ways to cast it, but you're counting that as a premium payoff. 
all of that can lead to you really struggling to kill your opponent. Yeah, I agree completely. I think the next biggest problem is too many lands, not enough lands. This is a critical decision that you have to get right. So using our rule of thumb, I think is important. But honestly, it it becomes a feel thing. Like you want to think about that idea of replacing a land for every three one CMC cyclers, but then also take into account like do you have a couple Thunder Mains? Those are going to incentivize you to want to hit your land drop so that you can get to that point where you're maybe double activating it. Or do you not have a Cathartic Reunion so you don't have that that out for mitigating Flood a little bit so then maybe you want to shave a land. That one, when you're talking about 12, 13, 14 lands, that one land difference is pretty big. Yeah. Or, you know, the more more frequently for me even is running more lands because I didn't quite get there all the way. So I think, okay, I'm probably going to have to cast these Lava Serpents <laughs> to get my opponent dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think th- another thing is just trying to fit good cards from other decks into your cycling deck. Cards like Cub Warden just don't belong in the best versions. Will you play it? Maybe. But the best versions don't want random powerful cards that don't go with the game plan. And not even powerful cards, but just like random, not fire prophecy removal when you don't have to. Don't put checkpoint officer in your red white cycling deck, please. Right. Snare Tactician is just (laughs) absurdly better. Don't play Sanctuary Lockdown because you have Valiant Rescuer. Like just let your deck do its thing. Don't water it down with these, well, if I get these two pieces together or whatever, or, well, this card is good in a vacuum. Yeah, that might be true. It just doesn't belong here. I think this is something not applicable to the cycling deck, but we, and I think limited resources, limited level ups, other other limited podcasts out there have talked about how busted one CMC cycling is. You're not supposed to put off color one CMC cyclers in your non-cycling decks. Amen. So if you, if you, especially if you're a hybrid cycling deck, like every cycler you've got needs to be something that you can cast. So you should you should not have, you know, a black green deck with a couple Draneth healers in there to shave a land drop. Or if that's you're, not that's not good for your deck. Or if you're Ben, you just should not have a black green deck. Period, because it has green in it. <laughs> Absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. So as we start to move towards hopefully a meta where. People are valuing the one CMC cyclers very high. They're valuing those top tier payoffs high. And hopefully this deck doesn't come together as often because it is kind of a scourge of the format, in my opinion. What do you do when you start down this path in a draft and you feel like you're getting cut out of it? How do you know that you're getting cut? It's hard to know because so many of the cards that go in this deck aren't red or white. Right. Yeah. I think the first thing to do if you get a feeling, and for me, it's it's been a feeling, and that's probably pretty hard to do if you don't you know, draft as much as you and I do. Yeah. So I, I don't know how to describe it other than that. I, it's my, your spider sense is just tingling like, eh, this isn't going quite as well as I would like it to. Or I think another thing is, you know, if you're, if you're trying to force, which I would not advocate at this point in the format, I don't think, um, you really have to be careful if you don't have one of those premium payoffs pretty early. So the first step for me is to stop taking the one converted mana cost cyclers so aggressively, especially if they're off color, you know, like the on color ones, let's say red, you know, like go for blood. Sure. Snapping that up, but maybe a random blue one. If I'm trying to be red, white cycling, I might take a a pack off and not pick one Mm -hmm. and start taking cards like Marmoset or Spell Eater Wolverine or Lava Serpent that are going to A, be great in your cycling deck if you get there on cycling or B, that are going to play well in a hybrid cycling deck. So a lot of those red payoffs, I think red's the best way to pivot out of cycling. 
So this lets you end up with good cards that are going to be great if you get there and if you don't. And if we're thinking about what, what are the best decks to try and pivot into, I, I assume green is off the list, but are all the other colors <laughs> on, 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 the, on, the, on the table here? Yeah, pretty much everything's on the table. If, if white red's not open, I think the easiest decks to pivot into in order are probably red, black, red, blue, and then white, black. And all of those could have a cycling sub theme if you want them to. So red, black, you know, gets to take advantage of Drana Stingers, Prickly Marmosets, Lava Serpent, Spell Eater Wolverine. And then the Spell Eater Wolverine gets turned on by some of those random one CMC spells that you cycle. Blue, red gets to take advantage of Ominous Seas. And again, all those same creatures and spells. And you can cast your cyclers that are spells to get triggers for stuff like your Fairy Dragon to grow it and things like that. White, black is a little tougher because the best cycling payoffs in white are uncommon. But by all means, if you've got, you know, early Valiant Rescuer, early Fox, I get those both want you to cycle in critical mass more than the red cards do. I think that's that's maybe a little bit of tension there as well. But definitely, I think things to keep in mind if you're trying to pivot out of cycling to one of those decks and have a package is that you really want all your cyclers to be on color. If you're half cycling, you don't want to be ideally running, you know, random off color one CMC cyclers. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. I think the other types of things, you know, just to try and deduce whether or not cycling is open is consider what types of cards you're seeing that aren't cyclers and how you can maximize them. So you go down this road, you're drafting red, white cycling, and you're getting the inkling, eh, I'm getting cut out of this deck. Maybe you're seeing a late weaponize, and that's going to incentivize you to jump ship and try to go into red, black sacrifice. Maybe you're seeing Fairy Dragon, you know, seventh pick, and that's going to incentivize you to jump ship on cycling and go blue red. Maybe you're seeing cards like Cloud Piercer on the wheel, and that's going to push you towards some sort of a blue red or a red black mutate deck that's got a little bit of cycling. But just paying attention to what cards are going late in those colors and how you can pivot out is something else to keep in mind while you're drafting the deck. Yeah, well, we've, we maybe bury the lead here, but I think the the section here that folks are going to be most interested in is not how to maybe draft the deck or how to build the deck, but how do you beat this deck, Ben? <laughs> I I have had a fair amount of success against the deck. I, I think some I've not also played against too many nuts aggro versions of the deck, but I do think there's a lot of... So that's I, the secret to your win rate. <laughs> I see now. I do feel like there's that cycling's got a bit of a bad rap in some senses, I think the gameplay from cycling is really fascinating. And I, I've loved playing cycling mirrors and I like playing against the cycling deck. I, it just gets my competitive juices up. And I think it offers really tough games and game states. And I think you have to pay attention and a lot of small decisions matter on your end and the opponents. Yeah. So I just want to throw that out there. I'm sure it gets old and I, I don't know. The one thing I would say about this format for me as a magic player that's true, that is not normally true is I love playing the games out. Busted stuff happens that doesn't normally happen in Limited. It's so fun. Yeah, I agree. I think I it's tough because like if you're on the right side of that busted stuff a lot of the time, or at least if you feel like your half is on that side, then I think it's fun. But like, you know, you play against three cycling decks in a row, you play against a couple companion decks in a row. It doesn't feel as good, I would say. I yeah, there's it's probably more polarizing. That's for sure. I could certainly see that. Well, so I think step one here for battling against this deck is you need to identify the version of cycling you're playing against and what their primary plan to kill you is going to be. And as we've outlined already, there are maybe a, a few different versions. If it's this hybrid version, if it's the aggro red white version, if it's the zenith flare focused red white version, there are different things you want to do to combat those decks. Right. So you first is know your enemy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if you're against the aggro version cheap removal that deals with x3s is going to be 
irreplaceable and even dead weight in some cases, you know, to nab a fox or a valiant rescuer before they get out of control. And a, and a like, stinger and a thunder main, like dead weight does work. It just doesn't take care of the X3s. Absolutely. Fire prophecy, rumbling rock slide, ram through, just the good removal in the set. Cycling decks can really struggle against, you know, removal spell, removal spell, removal spell. Some cycling decks can't beat that. I mean, if you're running that sort of lean mean version that we talked about that has, you know, single digit payoffs in the deck, which I think is often going to happen or can often happen, then yeah, three removal spells in a row is just crippling for the deck. And you might think, well, you know, great, your deck's absurd if you have three removal spells in a row like that, but you don't necessarily have to have the premium ones. Think about Springjaw Trap. Mm -hmm. This card is insane out of the board against cycling, and a lot of times you can pick it up late and should pick it up late. I I actively am looking to have two to three copies of Springjaw Trap in my sideboard specifically for cycling. Right, so you deal with Snare Tactician, which is the big baddie, I think, and that's why it's so high on people's list is because it does snowball it does like really let the aggro versions of this deck push a lot of damage but it also deals with your opponent going all in on prickly marmoset for a turn you know you you don't block it and they end up cycling two or three times thinking they're going to get in that six to eight points of damage and then you just flash and trap and and snap it off boom another thing that's really good to do if you have this premium instant speed removal is try to leverage it in tandem if you've got good blocks you know maybe you snap off a double block on a marmoset and force them to burn some cyclers or you force them to use some cyclers with their snare tactician there's a finite number of cyclers and i know it seems like they always have the cycler yeah but like you can run them out of cyclers and you know if you can leverage up you know, getting them to use two cyclers and then killing their creature with instant speed removal, that's way better for you than just using the instant speed removal spell. So talking about Zenith Flare specifically as a really absurd card, uh, counter magic does deal with it. Convolute and neutralize can take care of that card. The problem with loading up on this effect is that they really aren't great against the rest of the deck. Once the opponent sticks a two drop and a three drop payoff, a lot of their quote unquote spells are uncounterable because they're just cycling stuff to get effects from the things they have on the board. And you've also brought in these counter spells for the flare. And so, you know, you get to a point where you're like, well, I probably now have to just hold up this counter spell for the rest of the game until I see Zenith Flare. And that can put you in a pretty awkward spot. So I recognize that those are good answers for Zenith Flare, but also put yourself in an awkward spot a lot of the time. Another couple cards that line up well against Zenith Flare, Memory Leak is great. Yes. You know, wait, waiting to cast that as long as possible and then try to nab their Zenith Flare once it feels like, okay, I bet that last card that they're holding on to is a Zenith Flare. So I'm willing to go out of my way to try to splash swamps, to try to be able to cast Memory Leak, to nab a Zenith Flare out of the opponent's hand. And then General's Enforcer, this one doesn't come up often, but can come up if the game's going long and you've got enough time to start exiling cyclers from their graveyard. I've had that come up before as well. I think Life Gain, which we pegged in the Crash Course as being, you know, it's pretty prevalent in the format, but loading up on that, if your opponent is on the Zenith Flare, they're on the like, I've got two big flares and I'm trying to, to dome you out. Like if you can get a lot of incidental life gain, I think you're going to be happy with that. So if you bring in Majestic Oricorn in your Mutate deck to get a couple you know, triggers of gain for life, if you bring in a couple copies of Unexpected Fangs in black, which not only is like a nice little trick, but then leaves behind that lifelink counter, that can accrue enough life for you if you're able to chunk in with that creature once or twice to get you out of the Zenith Flare range that your opponent was hoping to put you in. Absolutely. We talked about Light of Hope already as a great mirror breaker. You know, that gain four can throw off the math from a Zenith Flare. 
And sometimes after your opponent fires off that Xena Flare, they're out of steam. Like they were building towards that one moment and you've just got them from that point on. Mm-hmm. Bushmeat Poacher can do a lot of work in those black, white, black, red grind decks. It's a, a lot of really tough sometimes for the cycling deck to outpace the life gain from Bushmeat Poacher. Um, if you've got boot nippers, I would say lead on lifelink most of the time yeah. against cycling because the death touch just runs into prickly marmosets anyway. So, you know, if you can get in two hits with a, a lifelinking boot nipper that can do some work, honey mammoth, big Whoa. problem for cycling decks. You know, honey mammoth is green, right? I know, but okay. it, honey mammoth is one of the cards that I do love playing if I am playing <laughs> green decks. Yeah. Uh, you gain four, six, six body. Honey Mammoth is one of the cards I least want to see on the other side of the battlefield when I'm playing cycling. It's unlikely that this wouldn't be your your main game plan anyway in the deck, but the Heedbonder Vigilance life gain deck is very real if you've got like the main servals and even like the Mosscoat Goriax to just gain a bunch of life at the end step. Again, that just at a certain point that just puts your opponent's deck out of range of flaring you and then they just can't do anything if they have to point a flare at your heat bonder you've won yes agree anytime you get your opponent to cast zenith flare on a creature you are winning yeah <laughs> um and then another one is reflection that comes up you know if you see two reflections out of your opponent bring in wilt bring in light of hope and i would say just in general green decks should be main decking a copy of wilt in the format i will second that for sure it just felt very very strong uh you know you think about bastion of remembrance weaponize the monsters reflection even even clunky removal like pacifism and capture sphere like you're gonna find targets for this all right, so we're going to take a look at some draft logs here. First one we're going to take a look at is just getting into the deck. Mm-hmm. Kick us off here, Ethan. Okay, so uh, pack one, pick one. You see the following cards as options at common. Actually, quite a few cards uh, in this deck. A Snare Tactician, Prickly Marmoset, Draneth Healer. There's also Frostvale Ambush as a 1CMC Cycler and an Evolving Wilds. Then at uncommon, I'd say the most powerful card is the reanimation spell Unbreakable Bond. And then at rare, we've got Yorian Sky Nomad. That is the uh, Scourge of Standard at the moment. That's the companion three hybrid Azorius Azorius for a four or five flyer. Its companion text is that you have to have a starting deck with 20 more cards than your minimum. So you'd have to have 60 and limited. And when it ETBs, you can blink any number of non-land permanents you control, and they come back at the end step. So you're snapping this up here, right? And are you blinders on companioning? I'm sad to say, Ben, that I'm not. I mean, so I think Yorian is the pick here, but I think building a 60 card deck is quite a bit of a cost. This is it's interesting because I actually came in pretty hot on Yorian as one of the best companions. And I think it's actually one of the worst cards to companion. Like it's fine as a five mana four or five flyer that's flexible with its cost. So like it's a it's a good pick here. But you just have to put I, I've companioned this card three times now and you just have to put in too much junk a lot of the time to make the deck worth it. That's what I would say as well. That was my experience early on and I got a lot of pushback on it, but I've companioned it twice also and have not been happy either time. So I took it here thinking maybe I'm going to companion it. I hadn't had the opportunity to pack one, pick one it before, so maybe that was going to be different. But I I took it here with the idea of like, I'm not going to force companioning this at all. Okay. Pack one, pick two. Uh, At common, we've got a pacifism and a capture sphere as probably the best commons, and they're on color as well. But those aren't cards that you and I are super excited about. And then at uncommon, I'd say the best of the bunch is Boon of the Wishgiver, four blue blue for a sorcery, draw four cards with cycling one. I need, I need to just give just say a quick thing here, Ben. Okay. At, when I first saw the set, I read Go for Blood and Boon of the Wishgiver as instants. Oh no. I have gotten got by that 
many times. I think it's now been like multiple times with each card that it's finally out of my system. But passing the turn with six mana thinking you can boon <laughs> on your opponent's end step and then realizing you can't feels <laughs> terrible. That's shocking to me about I know. you. That seems like something I would do. <laughs> That's why. Like I, it, the, and, but the fact that it has happened multiple times is even more embarrassing. Yikes. Yeah, yeah this is a rough pack here. I, I don't know. I'd be between pacifism and boon, I think. Yeah. I'm probably just landing on boon as like a very powerful card. It's got one CMC cycling, can give me outs to get into the cycling deck, but nothing really stands out here. And the other thing I think if we're in this as a little preview to our, our companion episode, what I was thinking about, if I'm going to companion Yorian, my deck has to be chock full of cyclers and a powerful cycler like boon slots in really nicely because like if I have it in my opener and I need to churn through my deck, whatever I can, and then it's nice as like a top deck or, you know, just something to curve out into for six mana. Absolutely. All right. Pack one, pick three, pump the breaks here ben we see a zenith flare in the pack there's blood curdle too no consideration for blood curdle so here here's the real question ben we're all on zenith flare best on common right absolutely is zenith flare the best card in the set ah are you are you ready to are you ready to go there with the takes i don't i don't think i am just because if people are drafting right it shouldn't be right right that's the thing is like a week ago yes I'm not sure if in two weeks that will be the case. I don't know. It's tough. Like if you're in pod play and you have pack one, pick one Zenith Flare or pack one, pick one Garuda, like I'm companioning Garuda. If I'm at the PT and I have a choice between Zenith Flare and Garuda, I'm taking Garuda because I assume people are going to know how to draft cycling and appropriately take one CMC cyclers, right? Yeah. I mean, it's great when you get there and it's absurd. It's better than everything else when you get there. I just don't think you should be getting there as often as you get there. But if, wait, but you're saying you shouldn't be, but what if you are? You are though. You I are, mean, that's, that's the, the thing. thing. <laughs> right now you are getting there more often than not. Well, I, but I will say yesterday I got past a flare and cycling was not open and I got bailed out by a pack three pick one Karuga that I just hard pivoted it into and managed to two one. But I think that we may start to be seeing a shift where people are valuing the payoffs highly enough and so then the deck becomes more contested and people are valuing the one cmc cyclers higher than they were i i mean for here's where i'm at i try to get into cycling every draft i don't force it but i try to give myself outs to get into cycling every draft in my last 13 ish drafts i've drafted cycling once and it was my most recent draft and i've had like some cycling packages in there but i've not gotten true red white cycling probably in a week. All right. So back to this pack. I mean, you did mention there's a blood curdle here. So after Yorian and Daboon, you've got Zenith Flare versus blood curdle. You're snapping up Flare. No contest. And what are you thinking about here? You're thinking now I've got the best payoff for the deck. I'm going to be looking to force this deck right now, right? Yeah, I, I would be wanting to go hard if I got a pack one, pick three Zenith Flare. Yeah. So next pack, what you're looking for is either a one CMC cycler or a another payoff, right? Whether it's an uncommon or a common. And unfortunately, we don't see that here. You see a couple red cyclers in Lava Serpent and Raking Claws, but those are both two CMC ears, not cards that you're mad to play in the deck by any stretch. There's Divine Arrow, but again, not a card that we're super happy with in the deck. And then there's a kind of a spicy number here in Channeled Force. This is the two blue-red instant as an additional cost to cast it. You discard X cards, and then target player draws X cards. Channeled Force deals X damage to up to one target creature or planeswalker. Yeah, this is tough. I think it's between Channel Force and Lava Serpent. For me, I think I would land on Lava Serpent. I have a crush on that card. I, I love this card way too much. 
but I, I I would take it here to go along with the Zenith Flare, and I would hope to, if I end up in red-white cycling, not have a card like Channeled Force in my deck. Yeah, this Channeled Force, I think, was more of a nod to towing the line between a 60-card Yorian deck and a cycling deck. Like, I didn't see a card that I was super happy with to follow up the Flare, and so I took the Channeled Force thinking, well, there's a world where all four of the cards I've taken so far end up in a deck. I think that's true. But then that all goes out the window. Pack one, pick five. We see a Flourishing Fox over you know there's also a memory leak as a one cmc cycler and another lava serpent um but flourishing fox is just a windmill slam and now that i've got two of the best payoffs in the deck and we have this as like number one and number three unless one mana cyclers don't show up it's going to be hard to push me off of going down this route right you're in at this point you're you're trying your hardest and you're you're on the taking one cmc cyclers very highly planned and this is because of the the way this deck is made up is that you just you don't need a lot of payoffs you don't need any rares we've already got two uncommons and i just know that the rest of the deck can come together if i see just a few more payoffs like a dranite stinger and a snare tactician i feel like i'm off to the races and even if it is like sort of cut from the person passing you in pack one if you've got these two cards it's probably not if you've gotten these two cards this late but if it were you've not passed much for pack two and you should get hooked up in pack two and it's not that's the other thing i think that's really powerful about cycling it's not like black in theros beyond death whereas you know if you do all the work cutting at pack one boom your neighbor moves underneath you in pack two and takes all the good black cards and you're left without a reward pack your neighbor if you cut cycling your neighbor has no use for the cycling cards and should pass them to you in pack two absolutely so it ends up being open i get a dranith healer next um a couple misses and then on the wheel a frostvale ambush is another one mana cycler and then pick 13 memory leak comes around and and that's it's weird to think that memory leak pick 13 is a signal that the cycling deck is open but it absolutely is yeah 100 percent a signal all right we're gonna take a look at another one of my logs here uh this is sort of a what to do if you maybe feel like you're getting cut out of cycling a little bit Mm -hmm. so pack one pick one you sit down you see the following options at common best card in the pack is farfinder three mana for the one one vigi that lets you search up a land rooting moloch four and a red for the four four at uncommon when etbs you exile a cycling card and you can cast that up until your next turn it also has cycling two and a boon of the wish giver for blue blue draw four cycling one. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly in the in the framework of this episode, Ruining Moloch is the pick. And then I also just think in in general as a, a powerful card that not only is good in a cycling deck, but I think honestly really excels in the I've got a cycling package in my deck. Yeah, for sure. So we snapped up Rooting Moloch there over Farfinder, moving on to pack one, pick two, kind of a stinker here. So at common, we've got Farfinder again, a durable coil bug, one black, two, two, four and a black, return it from your graveyard to your hand. I love that little guy. Oh, yeah. There's a cloud piercer, four and a red, five, four with mutate, three and a red, reach. And whenever it mutates, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. And then moving on to the uncommons, there's footfall crater as a one CMC cycler, single red for the enchant land. And it has tap, target creature gains, trample, and haste until end of turn. And your rare is unpredictable cyclone. Yeah, it's a pretty stinky pack. I think I would land on Farfinder here just because, I, I as I said, I think the Moloch as a, I've got a cycling package, not, not necessarily a full cycling deck. And um, I think Moloch excels there and, and Farfinder keeps us open. But this, this pack, I feel like you could go a number of routes. Like you could take Cloud Piercer here and I wouldn't 
really fault you. I could, you could take pacifism and maybe I wouldn't really fault you though. Pacifism over Farfinder seems kind of bad to me. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Yes, yeah, tough, tough choice. I think Farfinder is the quote unquote correct pick if you're drafting the hard way or drafting the open way. I, like I said, I've been trying to give myself outs to get into cycling if I can. So I snapped up Footfall Crater as the only one CMC cycler in the pack. Yeah, I think that's defensible. Aggro, but defensible. Yeah, it's, it's aggressive for sure. So I took Footfall Crater there and moving on to pack one, pick three, you see the following cards as options. There's an Evolving Wilds, not a lot going on at common. Best card is probably Deadweight, Black, Enchant Creature, minus two, minus two. And then in the uncommon slot, there's a Call the Death Dweller, two and a black, return up to two target creature cards you control with converted mana cost C or less total. And you put a Death Touch counter on one and a Menace counter on the other. And there's also Mythos of Brokos as your rare. That's the green Mythos that lets you return two permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. And if you spent blue-black to cast it, you can put a card from your library into your graveyard. Weird pack here. I mean, I guess it feels like to me that Deadweight is the best card in the pack. Though Call, I think Call the Death Dweller has a higher ceiling than Deadweight, but it doesn't get maximized in every deck and I think is maybe not great in in a cycling deck even in a red black sub theme package cycling deck though depends if you've got whisper squads or whatever call of the death weller is a good card um mythos of brokos hasn't really performed for me at least not not as a, a pull into green I guess if I'm already in multicolor green I think I would just take deadweight here yeah I think deadweight is a fine choice I ended up on evolving wilds mostly because I was thinking okay I want to be cycling if I can Evolving Wilds is going to give me a lot of flexibility down the road, and I'm unlikely to really miss a Deadweight. Like, Deadweight doesn't push me into black, but I I certainly respect it as a pick here. Moving on to pack one, pick four, see the following cards as options. Again, another pretty weak pack. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a Gopher Blood here as a one CMC cycler, durable coil bug, one and a black for the 2-2 that can come back from the graveyard. You got a rare tricycle land, Ketria Triome, that's the teamer tricycle land. And then best uncommon, only uncommon really, is Hornbash Mentor, two and a green for the three three. And when it ETBs, you get to put a trample counter on something and then it pumps up tramplers. Um, yeah, this pack is a stinker. I mean, Gopher Blood, I think, I think is the obvious pick if you're thinking you're cycling, and it's another one CMC cycler, which is good. And then otherwise, what are you moving? off of the cycling path you've taken for like if i had taken deadweight maybe i'd take coil bug here and i'm sad but i think with the route you've taken it's definitely go for blood yeah so i snapped up go for blood coil bug is the next best card in this pack though right kinda yeah i love coil bugs so much so moving on to pack one pick five uh you've got a pretty good pack here probably the best pack we've seen there's a spell leader wolverine two in a red for the three two that gets double strike if you've got a three or more instants or sorceries in your graveyard there's a fire prophecy still in the pack one in a red deal three at instant speed and you can put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library if you do draw a card and at uncommon there's still an unbreakable bond here four in a black return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with a lifelink counter on it yeah i mean I, again not to belabor this or to talk about the different routes but if i like if i'm on dead weight and then into sad coil bug then i'm thrilled about bond and now i have a payoff i have a direction into a deck which is nice but your route you're just slamming fire prophecy slamming fire prophecy because i'm mono red to this point and still really have outs to be cycling Right. So that's the important thing as we were looking at this log before the show. Fire Prophecy means red is open, but it doesn't necessarily mean cycling is open. And that's a really important distinction here. Very important distinction. Yeah. And so with your route that you've taken, you're already not thinking you're cycling. Would that be accurate? I'm I'm most definitely thinking I'm not cycling. Yes. Right. So I'm still thinking I want to be cycling but I'm leery about it at this point. Yeah. So moving on to pack one, pick six, again, another weak pack. There's a Spell Eater Wolverine here as the best card in the pack, I think, and 
Worth noting, there are no one CMC cyclers. So I snapped up Spell Eater Wolverine, and that's one of those key cards that performs really well in cycling if you need it to, and also is great in hybrid cycling decks because you can cycle your one CMC spells to turn on your Spell Eater Wolverine. Pick seven, pretty much a yikes. There's a Greater Sandworm as the only cycler in the pack. So I took that here, no red cards, no white cards, no snare tacticians. We've seen no marmosets at this point. So at this point, I think I'm probably getting cut out of cycling and should be looking for another lane. Mm -hmm. So pack one, pick eight, a whisper squad presents itself to me. I snap that up there and I look to get into red, black, and then wheel a cloud piercer pack one, pick 10. And that pretty much tells me, okay, cycling is not open. Cloud piercer is a good card. Shouldn't be wheeling. I'm going to do some sort of a red-black deck. So it rounds out. I end up in a red-black deck that's got a cycling package, but also, you know, is primarily not a cycling deck. Yeah, I think that's just a really important way to see not only are you not seeing payoffs, but you're not seeing one CMC cyclers. And when you're seeing neither of those, I think you need to really, really pump the brakes and say, "This, this is not the deck for my seat. Right. But that's one of the strongest things about red. You know, we talked about last week thinking about drafting colors as opposed to thinking about drafting color pairs and what each color wants to do. Red gives you that out. You can start down red, try to be cycling. And if you don't get the cycling deck, you can pivot into red, black, red, blue. Any of those decks are great and are often fairly easy to pivot into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. We gave you all of the cycling knowledge. Go forth and conquer. Great place to wrap us up there. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Come check us out on Twitch and Twitter. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Both under those same usernames on Twitter. You can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited, and you can check out our YouTube channel. We dropped our first Aquaria Showdown video there last week. So that's youtube.com slash Lords of Limited. And you can also check out all things Lords of Limited on our brand spanking new website, lordsoflimited.com. Including tier list for Ikoria Draft. Which got updated yesterday, baby. Boom. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.